You are listening to Cornelia Church. Passion for God, compassion for people. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? It's a good morning today. I tell you what, I am excited to continue our series uh, this morning on prayer and intercession and whether you're just coming for the first time uh, or whether you've hit everyone, uh, this is going to speak to you today. I believe that. Uh, I believe it's a word that's on time uh, for us. And uh, this is a season where really I I believe that God has in fact been shifting the church, not only Koinonia Church, but his big C church uh, in the United States and globally really. And and he's removed some things uh, and he's it reintroduced a level of hunger, I believe, within the church, uh, within the people of God that maybe has not happened for some period of time. Uh, and there is a true sense right now, uh, I sense it, of, of hunger, greater anticipation and expectation from the people of God for the presence of God, for what he's doing, for who he is. Uh, and I believe that God is being drawn by that. I believe that now is a season, uh, then we're moving into a season. Lisa really talked about it. We're standing at the threshold of a door. We're stepping through the door into a new season, and and God is going to, I believe, visit visit our nation, visit our church. He's going to visit his people, and he's going to visit this next generation uh, in a way that they have not experienced, and I'm I'm, I'm very excited about that, and we're a part of that, uh, whether we're talking about taking the church to the next level, whether we're talking about pressing in during a season of prayer and intercession, you and I are all a part uh, of what God is doing because we're all a part of his church. If you're a Christ follower, that means you are the church. And together we need to lock hands. We need to be engaged in what he's doing. We need not to miss. Just decide in our hearts. Decide in your heart. I'm not, I don't want to miss, Lord, everything that you have. Right now, I do sense this. This is an open season in a fresh way. And that for all those that reach out with open hands to heaven, God very easily is accessed in, a, in, a, in an open season. He's very e- it's very easy to come into his presence. It's very easy to, to receive answers to prayer. Uh, and this is the time to do it. So it's a time not to miss it. Would you just reach out and grab the hand of the person next to you? Let's just pray together as we go into his word this morning. Uh, and uh, Lord, as we grab hands, we're just uh, right now expressing physically what I believe is happening, spiritually speaking, the unity uh, of your church. And Lord, here we are this morning, uh, 11.30 a.m. at Koinonia Church in Hanford, California, Lord. But we know we're connected with your body that expands far beyond that. And we're, we're just asking right now, Lord, that you would open our eyes and ears, spiritually speaking, to hear your word this morning. I pray, God, that as I speak today, it would not just be my words, it would not just be good ideas, but Lord, that your very voice would speak through me, uh, and that it would uh, really speak to every heart that's in the room, for every man, woman, and child that's in the room, every man, woman, and child that is within the sound of, of my voice, Lord. I just pray that a word would pierce our hearts today, that faith would be built, that barriers would be broken, that you, Lord, would, would speak to each and every one. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen. amen. I, I want to highlight for you um, a, a class that's beginning, uh, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday on October the 19th. We are starting a new session of uh, the Purple Book class. And if you're not familiar with the Purple Book, it is an incredible tool for going deeper in your faith. Uh, and this is a, a study that really is available at, at all times. We always have these available at guest services. They're just little books that are $5. Uh, but uh, on the 19th on Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m., Josh and Erica Ramia are going to be restarting their group uh, that goes through the lessons within, within this book. Uh, and uh, they're, they're going to be meeting every other week. And I want to encourage you, if you're new in the faith, to, if you're new to following Christ, or maybe you're not new to following Christ, but you know you need some more deep roots in Christ. Uh, this study will help you. It'll meet you right where you're at, and you will learn uh, the depth uh, of the Word of God, the meaning of the things that we do. Uh, you, it, you're going to talk about and learn about what salvation is, what obedience is, what worship is, what baptism is, what communion is. There are some uh, how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. This is an incredible study, uh, and Josh and Eric are incredible leaders, and I, I just want to encourage you, if that speaks to you, if you know you need some more deep-root spirit spiritually speaking, I want to encourage you to get into this group. You can uh, sign up on the Church Center app. It's got all 
the information on when they meet and you can put your name there. Uh, of course, you can just show up here at 6.30 p.m. Uh, on Wednesday, October 19th uh, to begin that, that group. And, uh, and, and I just wanna encourage you in that way uh, to take advantage of that because it will help you grow deeper in your faith and understanding of the Word of God. All right, we're in a series called A Season of Prayer and Intercession. We're talking about prayer and intercession because the Lord Jesus himself said that my house, and then his father said that before him in the Old Testament, he was actually quoting the Old Testament, he said, my house will be called a house of prayer. Now, it is important for us to understand how to pray as the church of God. Prayer is not just a corporate thing that we do together, although it is a corporate thing. It's also an individual thing because you and I are, in fact, the church. We are the church. You are the church if you follow Jesus Christ. And prayer is a critically important weapon and tool that we have been given by the Lord to encounter heaven and to draw heaven down to earth. And oftentimes prayer, which is one of the greatest weapons that the Lord gave us, is left kind of to the side, rusty and forgotten. We might learn about prayer. We might need some, know some prayer verses. We might know how to say rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. Yay, God, and before we pray, all of us know some prayers. Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray, my Lord, my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I don't know what else it's something like that. All of us know kind of how to pray, but the reality is, is that prayer is, uh, is something that ch the church has to embrace, has to grow in, and has to push into. Uh, it is actually following the example of Jesus himself who is interceding, he's praying for you and I in heaven today. And when we pray, we look like Jesus. And Jesus said, he said, when you pray, pray in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, when we pray that, what we're doing is we're actually participating in bringing the Lord's kingdom down into this place. We're, we're actually releasing the level of authority that we have, whatever authority that we have, and each of us has a measure of authority over ourselves, over our family, over our community, over our households. We have a measure of authority. And what we're saying is we're inviting the Lord. I'm giving, Lord, you authority to bring your kingdom in this place. Lord, I, I want your kingdom in my life. Uh, you in heaven, whatever you say is done. Let whatever you say be done in my life. Lord, you, you in heaven, when, when, when you speak, the angels run. Lord, I want to run on your behalf. I want to do what you tell me to do. Would you bring your kingdom to bear? And, and so now in prayer, what we're doing is we are, as human beings, the bridge on earth to heaven. And it is part of our ministry, actually, to bring heaven down through the power and of intercession, the power of prayer. This is critically important for us to understand. This is not just a nice idea. This is the way that the earth really is painted with the presence of God, is through the people of God who are inviting him to come into this place. Uh, and, and each one of us, every person, whether you have known Christ for a very long time, or whether you're new to the faith, you make it, made a, just a decision to, for Christ yesterday, each one of us is is called and invited to be a prayer warrior in the kingdom of God. That no matter who you are, what your name is, how much you know educationally, whether you have a title, you don't have a title, none of that matters. What matters is that you and I are invited to step into this thing of prayer and intercession to actually be a warrior for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so during this, this study, what we're looking at is how we can grow in prayer. And of course, growing in prayer requires you to pray, requires you to open your mouth. It requires you to actually begin to stretch yourself and to begin to push in, an, in a way maybe that you don't know, uh, a way that you're not familiar with. And Sylvia said it so wonderfully this morning when he said, hey, if you don't know how to pray, one of the great ways to begin praying is to open up the scripture, open up to the book of Psalms, and you begin to pray scripture. You just begin to speak it out loud, and then you turn it into a prayer. And as you do that, you will begin to grow grow in prayer. I want to talk to you this morning about pushing boundaries. I want to talk to you this morning about your territory, spiritually speaking, and the territory that God has given you. And I do believe it's an important message uh, for us today, because I believe as we talk about this, you're going to see that, that um, there is a participation that we have. There's a plan that God has for you, and there's a participation that we have in his plan. Uh, and you can actually begin to remove some barriers in your life that will help your prayers be answered. I think it'll make more sense in just a moment. If you want to follow along in, in the notes, they are found through the Church Center app. I want to encourage you to do that. 
You can take notes as well, of course, uh, on, on paper. I want to encourage you always to take notes. You know that I, that I am big about this. Um, and the reason that I'm big about it is, is because um, unless you are an amazing, incredible individual who can truly remember everything, and if you are, then I would like to meet you and, and I'd like you to prove it to me. But I can't even remember what I preached a week from now. I can't even remember hardly what I preached three days from now. Okay. And so if you're sitting in your, in your seat and saying, yeah, amen, and, and, it, and it just comes in your ears and you think, I'm going to be able to retain anything, you're fooling yourself. Uh, you, you, you actually will retain more and you'll be able to go back and go deeper in study if you take some notes. So, uh, uh, so please, take notes. Take notes. All right. Let's talk about pushing back boundaries. We're talking today about spiritual boundary lines. And we're talking about really pushing the boundaries back uh, to the place that God has actually designed for you. Uh, I want you to know that we don't reject God's boundary lines at Koinonia Church. That the Lord has actually designated for us certain boundaries that we are to live within. God's boundary lines are his territory. The, uh, that he, the, the limits and the restrictions that he puts on us are always for our benefit and for our blessing. When we look at scripture, there are certain things that are boundary lines that we're supposed to follow. Uh, and it's not anything goes in the kingdom of God. Uh, the Lord just doesn't say, you know, yeah, you could do whatever the heck you want. The truth is, is that he is very specific with us about where it is that we are supposed to live in and the territory that he has for us. And we fool ourselves if we think that he's okay with anything. God does, in fact, love you. God loves you exactly the way that you are. But he actually wants you to transform and to change to look more like Jesus. Uh, and all of us, each one of us, uh, all of us have some work to do. All of us have transformation to do to look more like Christ Jesus. And so that means that he's calling us continuously to understand how to live within the boundaries that he has, he has given us. Uh, intercessory prayer, we're talking about prayer. Prayer establishes true boundaries. Now, I think I have this on the screen. If not, I just want you to maybe write this down, this phrase. Through prayer, we can press the borderlines of our territory out to their God-set dimensions and claim God-given heritage. Through prayer, one more time, we can press the borderlines of our territory out to their God-set dimensions and claim God-given heritage. The truth is, is that God has, in fact, designed a territory for you to occupy. He has influence. He has given you authority in a particular area of your life. And when God gives you a territory, then you should live within that territory. And the truth is, I want to live in the fullness of the territory that God has given me. Don't you want to live in the fullness of the territory that God has given you? He's established for you good things. He wants to do good things in your life. There are things that he actually has for you that if you don't understand how to occupy and take the territory that he wants you to take, then you'll miss out on the good things that he has for you in your life. The kingdom of God, the scripture says, is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's part of the territory that God has given you. That means that in your home that God wants, he actually wants you to experience his kingdom. Don't you believe that? I believe that. He wants you to have his kingdom in your, in your home, and that in, it means that you're going to experience, and you can experience, righteousness. That means right living, right uh, relationship with God. Peace, that means not strife, not uh, yelling and arguing, not constant uh, just turmoil within your house. And joy, which we all know what joy is, joy in the Holy Spirit, which is an incredible place to be. Though I want to live in righteousness, peace, and joy. Because where righteousness, peace, and joy are, there's freedom. There is, there is a, an amazing sense of God's presence. When, when things are good in my house and the kingdom of God is presence in, in present in my house, it's a wonderful place to be. Don't you want that in your house? That's part of the territory that God has for you. It's part of what he wants to do in your life. And within that territory that God has given you, he's given you authority to trample the enemy. The, the Lord actually says, I've given you the keys 
to the kingdom. That's what he said to the church. That's what he says to you and I. I've given you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. That means within your territory, the territory that God has given you, that he has actually given you authority to be victorious over the enemy. That you don't have to run from the enemy. You don't have to hide from him. That you can actually say, enemy, get out of my house. Get out of my territory. Get out of my family. I actually have authority because the Lord has, in fact, given me a place, a firm place upon which I can stand. He's given me keys in this place that is my territory. Now, I want to live in that kind of way. Don't you want to live that kind of way? So I want to talk to you about understanding for a few months, understanding boundaries and what what I'm talking about when I'm uh, talking about boundaries, because I think it'll help you see this concept a, a little bit deeper. We talk about boundaries, of course. Uh, We're talking about those limits uh, of the edges of the borders. If we were to define boundaries and a boundary line, it simply means a line which marks the limit of an area, a dividing line, an edge or limit of something. We're familiar with boundary lines. Typically, when we think about boundaries, we think about the boundaries of a city or the boundaries of a nation. We understand that it speaks of of actually physical lines. This is my territory. This is somebody else's territory. In your house, if you own a home or you live in a home, at least in our part of the country, we tend to put fences around our boundary lines. Uh, and, and we know very clearly where my territory is and where your territory is, right? And, and, w- and we don't like it if someone is, appears in our territory over my fence, then I didn't expect to be there. I didn't invite to be there because they're in my property. And I say, what are you doing in my property, in my territory? Because it's my territory. You can go back to where you belong. And so this boundary line area speaks of that limit that you have, that, that, that is the territory that you possess and that you're now, now, number one, God is, is the one who establishes boundaries. God is the one who establishes boundaries. Acts 17, 26 says this, From one man he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. What that means is, is that the Lord is the one that has determined before, before he created the world, before the foundation of the earth, in his mind, he knew everything that was going to happen. And he actually decided the time, the place, and the territory of every single person on the planet. The Lord knew and decided, whether you like it or not, when you would be born, where you would be born, what family you would be born into, and what territory he has for you actually designed and designated to you and for you. That territory is that place of authority that he's given to you. He's the one that designed it, and and, and we need to understand, therefore, the territory that God wants us to have. Each one of us has a territory. Number two is this. Boundaries speak of territory, authority, and assignment. Territory, authority, and assignment. You might also uh, call those a place, a power, and a purpose. He, he is the one who very specifically gives to you a place. If you look at the Old Testament, you'll see in the book of Numbers that God specifically tells the people of Israel the borders of their territory, the promised land. It's it's incredible how specific God gets. Uh, God is very detailed. He's very specific. He doesn't do anything by accident. He's not just kind of whatever goes. He actually tells Moses, he says, this is actually the territory that I have for the people of Israel. And then he begins to describe in chapter 34 in a very detailed way, in a way that cannot be missed Uh, what the lines are for the property that he has set apart for the people of Israel. And he says, this is your north border. And then he begins to describe to them all of the landmarks on the north border. He says, this is your east border. And these are all the landmarks on the east border. This is your west border. This is your south border. In other words, he has defined for them very specifically the area of influence and authority and the assignment that they have for that territory. You and I have been given a territory. We know in uh, the New Testament, the Apostle Paul tells us everything that we see in the Old Testament is a type and a shadow of what we actually experience in the New Testament. In other words, when we look at the Old Testament, we look at the people of Israel, now that applies spiritually to the people of God. We are the people of God. Spiritually speaking, the Lord gives us a territory in the same way. He gives you a territory in the same way. It's not 
a physical territory, it's a spiritual territory. That ter territory has specific boundaries to it, that, that he has actually given you authority in that place. When, when you own a territory, you're given authority in your territory. If, if I were to come into your house and try to boss your kids, you would say, what are you doing? You don't have authority here. This is not your home. Now, you come to my house and you try to tell my wife and my kids something, we're going to have a problem. Why? Because that's not your place of authority. But in your house, that's your place of authority. That, that is the place that God has designed for you. Your family, the relationships that you have, your workplace, all of those things are elements of the territory that God has given you that he actually has designed for you to operate in the fullness of what he has for you. And, and so you have authority there. And also, means you have an assignment there. Sometimes we don't like our assignment. We, we'd like somebody else's assignment. But, but the Lord actually says, hey, I want you to do the thing that I've called you to do in the place that I've called you to do it. We oftentimes get ourselves into trouble because we try to go beyond what the Lord has given us, beyond the territory that he has designated for us. And when we start to go outside of the territory that he's given to us, we discover very quickly, oh, it, it doesn't work very well there because God's grace is not flowing. His, his, his blessing is not flowing outside of the territory that he has for you. But within your territory, then he has given you authority. He's given you assignment. He's given everything that you need. Now, number three is very important. Number three is this, that the enemy also sets boundary lines. Just as much as the Lord sets boundary lines, and they're the boundary lines that we want, they're the boundary lines that provide in our life blessing and security, the enemy's boundary lines are always designed to restrict us, to shrink us, to pull us back from the good things that God has for us. That, that's who he is, right? The, the, the devil is a liar and a deceiver. His whole purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. And all of the enemy's forces are arrayed against the people of God to always seek to restrict them from the fullness of what God wants to do. And so he's constantly seeking to sh shrink the boundaries of the territory that God has given you. It, it's it's kind of like this. Imagine God gives you a 5,000 acre ranch the enemy will constantly try to shrink the size of that ranch down to where you only have an acre or an half an acre. He will do everything that he can to continue to, to talk you out of the authority that God has given you. He will do everything he can to get you to make an agreement with you so that he leaves you alone and, and, and you give him territory just so that you can be at peace. And before you know it, you have shrunk back in terms of the level of the authority that God has given you back to a very small place to where you're just saying, God, would you help me get through this day? The reality is, is that God has much more for you. God actually has for you an assignment to do, that you are a force in the earth, that you are the manifest sons and daughters of God on this planet who are called to bring wherever your foot steps on the ground, that is the territory that God has given you, that he's actually called you to live differently and to operate in the power of his spirit. You're called to be a demon chaser. You're called to be the kind of person that when you walk in, you bring the presence of God with you and all the forces of darkness go, somebody showed up, I better look out. That's who you're called to do. You're called to live within that the fullness of the territory that God has for you. But the enemy is always trying to talk you out of it. He's always trying to limit you within it. A lot like a python that is, uh, when, when a python gets its prey, of course, he doesn't just swallow his prey. He doesn't just kill his prey initially, but he surrounds it, begins to wrap his body around that animal. And as he wraps that body around the animal, what he does is he waits for the animal to exhale. He waits for the animal to to breathe out. And as the animal breathes out, then he, he just tightens up his coils just a little bit stronger. And then he waits patiently and he waits and the animal breathes out a little bit more again and he tightens his coils just a little bit more and he tightens his coils just a little bit. And before you know it, there's no room left to breathe and the animal suffocates and dies. Boy, the enemy loves to suffocate the people of God. 
He will do whatever he can to reduce your territory, to lie to you, to tell you you tried that, it didn't work, to bother you and to harass you so that you take a step back. And he says, that's great, now that's mine. And then he continues to push and, he can, and he's patient and he waits and you try to stretch out and, you, and he begins to yell at you and you cower back and you take a step back and he takes a little bit more territory. And before you know it, the people of God are not operating at the level that he's designed them to operate in because we're afraid uh, and we're fearful and we're in bondage. And before you know it, we discover that bondage feels normal, that restriction feels normal because it's been so long that we've actually breathed the clear air of the freedom of the Spirit of God that we have become used to the chains that he's wrapped around our lives, used to the limitations that he's put on us, used to the belief systems that are, that are actually half-truths that he's surrounded us with. And because of that, we're living only kind of half-lives. We're living just a shadow of the thing that God has called us to do. And God is actually designing you and I to be a people of God, an army of God, to be so soldiers of the living God who operate in the full power of his spirit, who are not going to be restricted or limited by what the enemy has been talking to us about or yelling us about. He's always telling us, you can't, you shouldn't, you tried it once before, you failed, so you better back up. You got hurt. Don't allow yourself to get hurt again. Cover up your heart. And before you know it, we're back into this small place. But I'm here to tell you this morning, there's something bigger that God has for you. It's time to break out of the restrictions that the enemy has put on you, to live in the fullness of what God has for you. Things that restrict you are things like negative experiences. Negative, negative experiences oftentimes in our life, traumatic experiences, what they do is they cause us to withdraw. Sometimes they cause us to, to cover our heart. We begin to, we begin to live at, at, a, at a smaller level because we're trying to protect ourselves. Uh, and because we don't actually find healing from that area and we withdraw and we don't ever move out of that, we're actually giving that territory to the enemy and we live in a restricted way. Sometimes uh, we're dealing with territory that has been given because of a generational sin issue. It's something that we inherited from our parents and our parents' parents, and it came down through our family line. And it could be a, a tendency towards anger. It could be a tendency in a particular way uh, to treat one another. It could be so many things that we often repeat that we got from our parents. Violence in the home or, or lust of a certain type. Uh, or gossip and, and not being able to keep our mouth still, but always repeating what we've heard and making stories. All of those things can come down to us generationally, and we repeat those generational sins, and then we invite the enemy, go ahead and have that territory. And just go ahead and control it. And, and we live in a restricted way until we deal with those things. We make agreements. I mentioned this. We make agreements with the enemy. The enemy comes and harasses us. And maybe once upon a time, we, we, we began to step out. We heard a message like the message I've given you today, and we began to step out in faith. God, you've called me to be your soldier. You've given me your spirit. You've given me your strength. And the moment we step out, the enemy begins to come to us and begins to whisper to us how bad we are, all the sins that we've done. How, how messed up we are in the past, how twisted we are in our motivations. And he begins to belittle us and talk to us, who do you think you are? You, you, you ain't nobody, right? What did, just think about what you did last week, what you did yesterday. Isn't that disqualifying? He begins to speak to us, and we begin to listen to him, and, we, and, and, and because his voice is so loud, we just take a step back just so that he leaves us alone. And we're, what we're actually doing is we're making an agreement sometimes with the enemy. Well, just leave me alone, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll back up off of that. Uh, and, and what we've done is we've given him territory because we've made an agreement with him. So many different ways. Another way we'll talk about it in a moment is just simply disobedience to the Lord. Sometimes what we'll do is because we won't obey what the Lord says, he, he tells us something in our conscience and he's speaking to us by the power of his Holy Spirit. Because we don't want to listen to it, what we do out of our disobedience is we simply give more authority to the enemy in the territory that God has designed for us. Billy Sunday said this, the revivalist. He said, if you haven't met the devil today, Face to face. And when I say the devil, I'm speaking about the enemy and in all the ways that he works, not necessarily the, the specific person of the devil. He says, if you have not met the devil today face to face, then you're probably going the same direction that he is. Isn't that good? No opposition that you're facing in your life, then you're in the wrong position. 
If, if, if nothing's coming against you, if you're, if you're not experiencing difficulty in your life, then it's actually an indication that you have somehow made an agreement with the enemy. We have this wrong concept that Christians somehow that are living right don't have any problems. Where in the world did we get that idea? I think that's an idea from the enemy. That, that somehow that we are going to, if we just are do the right things, then everything will fall into place. Your kids will be perfect. Your life will be perfect. Your marriage is going to be perfect. I tell you what, that's a lie. There is, in fact, opposition to the will of God happening in your life. There is, in fact, an enemy that stands against you. All the forces of darkness, the world, the flesh, all of those things are pushing against the goodness of God happening in your life. And so the very people of God, when they actually live at the fullness of what God has for them, are, in fact, going to be opposed. There is an enemy. He does, in fact, operate in this world today. He has a plan for your life. It's to destroy you. It's to limit you. It's to push you back from where you're at. And, and Paul says in Philippians, he says, I press on to the fullness. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. In other words, and that word press means to press violently. It's, it's not playing patty cake. It's not just pushing a button on an elevator. It's putting your shoulder up against the wall and saying, enemy, I hear you, I see you, but there's a greater one than you and you can't have my family and you can't have my marriage and you can't have my kids. And I'm not going to believe the lies that you're speaking to me because I know someone that's greater than you. And as a matter of fact, I have the mind of Christ and I have the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. That same Holy Spirit is inside of me. And so I'm going to resist you and you might yell and you might scream and some things might happen around me, but I'm going to stand right here on the truth of the Word of God, on the truth of who He is, and I'm going to take the fullness of the territory that He's given me. I'm not giving up my kids. I'm not giving up my family. I'm not giving up on my marriage. I'm not giving up on the fullness of what God has for me. And so I press. And Paul, if anybody's going to give us an example of a great Christian who was always encountering opposition. Things were going bad, it seems, in his life all the time, and he was doing all the right things. Let me encourage you, you're going to face some opposition. You're going to start to pray, you're going to start to press in, you're going to start to step into what God has for you, and the enemy's going to come, and he's going to break out hell in your life. He's going to try everything that he can do to shut you up and to get you to stop pressing to get you to stop pushing into what God has. And I want you to know that that moment that that happens, I want you to remember what Pastor Andrew is saying right now, the enemy is working against you. That means you're doing the right thing. Keep pressing, keep pressing. Number four, number four about boundary lines is that spiritual, and we've kind of said this already, spiritual borders are different from natural borders. Spiritual borders, when we're speaking about spiritual borders, we're not just talking about physical territory. We're talking about really influence territory, the areas where you have influence and authority. Uh, individuals have spiritual territory. Churches have spiritual territory. Uh, cities have spiritual territory, spiritual influence. When you think about some cities, you think about some cities that, that have disproportionate influence based on their size. It could be a small city, but because of where they're at, maybe they're at a crossroads, they're at a very beautiful place, a lot of people visit it, and so they're, they're more influential than they really should be based on, on their size. Church, some churches are like that. I visited some churches. I think about it, one church in particular that it's on the East Coast, and it's not very big, and honestly, I visited it, and I thought, wow, I, I thought this would be more impressive. I thought there would be more people here. This church has incredible influence within the nations. It's, it's planted other churches. It's sent, uh, sent missionaries out. There's incredible ministries that have been birthed out of that church. It occupies spiritual territory that is way beyond what it looks like in the physical. Remember, God looks at not the physical, he looks at the heart, he sees spiritual reality. So when we're talking about spiritual territory, I, I want you to understand that every person in this room has been given a measure of spiritual authority and spiritual territory, and it's not based on the way that you look, it's not based on, uh, uh, on your education, it's not based on how much you know. Part of it is the sovereignty of God, and a lot of it is the faithfulness of God's people. And so you should not hesitate to step into the authority that God has given you within the realm of authority that he's given you. And as you do that, he'll actually increase your territory. That's, that's the way that it works. I was talking with a man in this church um, earlier this week, and, and he, 
his dad came into this county when the county was formed that same year. And he knows because of who he is, because of by birthright, he's here in this county, but also because of his faithfulness, spiritually speaking, with this guy. He occupies a certain level of spiritual authority to be able to speak to the enemy in a way that maybe you and, and I cannot. Now, we all have a level of spiritual authority because this is our territory. We live in this place. So we moved in this place, and we get to claim wherever our feet tread for the kingdom of God. So we all have a measure of spiritual authority. But as you're faithful and based on who you are, there's even more authority than sometimes we realize. So be careful how you treat people. Remember, the people of God, they, they occupy sp spiritual territory. Just because someone is unimpressive on the outside does not mean that they are not a dragon slayer. That does not mean that they are not moving things and shifting things in, this, in the spiritual. We're speaking to powers in heaven. We're not looking to be impressive in the natural. We're not trying to put on a show for people. We're recognizing that true authority is spiritual authority and true territory is spiritual territory. And so when we speak as a church, we're speaking to spiritual powers over Kings County. We're speaking to spiritual powers that exist over this state and over this nation. And there's war that we do and we do it in the heavenlies. And we may look a certain size. We may be made up of a certain kind of people. But at the end of the day, God is the one who designates the borders of our territory. Let me talk to you for a few minutes about reestablishing God's design boundaries uh, in your life. Because as we know now, we have a territory, God has designed it for us, but many times we're living at less than the capacity that he has for us. Uh, and, and as I talk about this, I want you also to think of in terms of your, the, the power of your prayers. Uh, and many things that we're going to talk about in these next few moments are prayer limiters, they're limiting factors that actually keep your prayers from being answered. And it's not that God is not hearing you. It's not that your prayers aren't powerful. But many times because we have not positioned ourselves correctly, our prayers are not able to break through uh, because of that territory has been restricted and limited. And I think this will make sense as I talk about it. Now, the first uh, uh, boundary or, or the first way to expand your territory back to the limits that God has for you is to remove sin barriers. Remove sin barriers. I like to talk about sin. Nobody likes to talk about sin anymore. Sin is, is basically disobedience to the Lord. It's doing just the opposite of what he has. And God is serious about sin. There, there, I was reminded this week that uh, there's a whole lot more times that the scripture talks about God's holiness than it talks about God's love. And I love to talk about God's love, but God is also holy, which means that he has a way that he wants things done. And thank God we can never be holy. And because of that, he provided his son, Jesus Christ, to cover us with his blood. But he actually wants us to change and to transform. Paul says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. In other words, that you would become more and more pure, more and more holy, that you would become transformed to look like his likeness. And if you find your territory restricted, then oftentimes it's because there's a sin barrier that you have allowed to come into your life. What does that look like? Let me give you a couple of examples. One is unforgiveness. One of the greatest barriers that you will find to your prayers and to the fullness of God's kingdom in your life is unforgiveness in your heart. Mark eleven twenty five 25 says this, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Now, I don't know about you, but I, it's like that verse is like, did he really say that? Because we don't like that verse. We like to talk about the never-ending grace of Jesus. We sing about it. Lord, you forgive us anything. Your, your, your sacrifice is sufficient. We like to live in that place. But this says, and this is not Paul speaking. This is not Peter speaking. This is, not, this is Jesus. He said, when you stand praying, if you hold, would you say it, anything against anyone? Really, God? Anything? Against anyone? Uh, Lord, do you, do you know what they did to me? Do, do you know how, how they have wounded me? Uh, Lord, I'm, I'm pretty sure that person is like a demon in the flesh. Uh, I'm pretty sure that they are inspired by hell. And whenever I'm around them, Lord, they are just destructive. And they're uh, anything against anyone. 
This speaks of anybody that's hurt you, wounded you, anybody that has done you wrong, anybody has talked bad about you, anybody essentially that you don't like. Forgive them, Jesus says. Forgive them. You want to be healed, you better forgive. You, you want to hear your prayers answered, you've got to deal with the forgiveness issue. You've you got to actually go and make sure that your heart is, is pure. I can't forgive him, Lord. I understand that. You decide to forgive him, and you ask him for his grace. You start to act like you forgive them. By faith, I'm going to do what you told me to do. You write him a letter. You call him on the phone. You tell him, I forgive you. You do whatever you can do. Why? Because you want to be in obedience to the Lord. It's not based on how you feel. I don't want to do it. Big deal. But it's not only those that, for, that have offended you, it actually goes the other way too. Matthew 5, 23 says this, Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember, so in other words, you're coming into church for a time of worship, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. So it's not that you've offended them, it's that somehow they feel like you, that you've offended them. That somehow like they have a beef with you. Whether real or imagined, it says, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Ay, 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 ay. If it's not one thing, it's another thing. I mean, what we're talking about here is we're talking about unforgiveness, but it's even broader than that. We're really talking about relational division, relational strife where things have not been made right between people, where you're holding grudges once against the other, where you haven't done what you need to do in order to, do, to take the first step, to take the initiative and actually go and seek them out and, and make things right. Boy, that's one of the greatest barriers that we have between us seeing the fullness of God in our life is when we're holding on to things. And Jesus says, I gave everything for you. And you think you can hold on to that? I released my best for you. You better release the garbage that you have. You you better give it into my hands. But he doesn't stop there. Let me pick on the guys just for a minute. I'm sorry, guys. Peter said it. I didn't say it. First Peter 3, 7. He says this, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are. Now, I just want to note, don't be silly with this verse. When it says weaker, we're just talking about practical. Practically speaking, the woman's body is weaker. Her constitution is made up differently. Paul is not saying that she's unequal, that she's less than. He's simply saying that, practically speaking, there's a sensitivity there that guys don't have. <laughs> she may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. And then look what it says. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. I, I, I believe you probably could take this verse as a spiritual principle and reverse it, right? So that, like, you know, because it's speaking of, of division in the, in the, in the family, and, and, you know, wives, your prayers could be hindered too. But that's not what, that's not what Peter says here. He's speaking specifically to husbands. He's saying, husbands, because of who you are within the household, because of the order that God has set up within the home, you're to take first initiative. You're actually to be the one to make sure you make things right with her. You're, you're supposed to stop doing this and saying, well, until she comes to me and says sorry for what she knows she did, then I'm going to be right here. He says, no, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're, if you do that, then God does this to you. Right? If, if you're saying, oh, I don't want to talk to you, and you're doing this to your spouse, what do you think God is doing to you? <laughs> Go and deal with your wife, babe. Go and deal with your wife, son. Go make sure that you deal with the things that you need to deal with. Because if you're not going to deal with the very critically core area of territory that I've given you, which is your family, which is your marriage, then maybe then, then there's going to be an, a resistance to your prayers actually being fulfilled. God says, do the things that you need to do. Be the one who takes that initiative, who actually says, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to make it right. I, I, don't, I don't care whose fault it is. I'm actually going to pursue my spouse. I'm going to try to do everything that I can to, to get that thing dealt with. Why? Because what's so important to me is that we would have the free flow of God's kingdom in our home, right? That's the big deal. The big deal is not that I'm right in this relationship. The big deal is that I'm right in this relationship. God, would you please come into my family? And so let's work this out here. Fight 
fight for your marriage so that God can actually give you everything that he wants to give you inside your home. Secondly, a second sin barrier uh, uh, is disobedience. Disobedience. When we disobey the Lord, we simply make it difficult for him to have free reign in the territory that he wants us to have. We actually give authority to the enemy when we are disobeying God because we're agreeing with the enemy. 1 John 3, 21 says, Dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask. In other words, if your conscience doesn't bother you, it's because you're in the right, right? Because the Holy Spirit normally speaks to us when we've done something wrong. Oh, man, I, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. But he says, boy, if your heart's not condemning you, then you can have confidence because you're in his will, because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. You want to have your prayers answered. You want to have territory, uh, the fullness of your territory. You got to obey God. If he's telling you, give something up, you better give it up. He's telling you, you need to go apologize, you better go apologize. You read in the scripture and it says, you know, do this or do that. You better do it. Stop, stop talking yourself out of it. Stop letting someone else talk you out of it. Be obedient. Nothing is better. Obedience, the Lord says, is better than sacrifice. You can give all the money you want. You can do all, you can do all the great shows of everything. But the best thing is be obedient. Do what he says. Why is it so quiet? <laughs> Thirdly, selfishness. Selfishness. Boy, selfishness will get you. Um, this is when we do things our own way versus God's way. Sometimes we think that prayer, like we're being invited into trying to force our will on God through prayer. And I just want to tell you, that's not, that's not, that's not what we're teaching here. We're not teaching some kind of magic incantation to get your will to be done in the earth. This is God, let your will be done. Right? And so when, when we're trying to get our will to be done, what we'll find is that God says, well, okay, I, I hear what you're saying, but you actually don't want that. You know, because you don't actually know the best. James 4, 3, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. You ever done that? I've done that. Oh, God, would you bless me? Would you give me that nice car? Would you give me that nice house? Don't you want me to live in a great house, God? Don't you, don't you want to bless me? Oh, yeah, I see, that, I see that girl. I see that guy. They're so attractive. Don't you want me to have an attractive spouse, God? And, and instead of being obedient to him, we begin to pray actually against his will. He says, don't ask with wrong motives because it's not going to happen. Fourthly, doubt. Doubt is one of those things that will uh, be a barrier to you uh, in your life and in your, in your territory, because doubt, what it does is, is it's stepping back from the fullness of what God has, right? You, God says, you know, take your territory. So you begin to step forward and maybe, maybe you you feel inspired by a message like this and, and you, you want to begin to stretch yourself out and you try something new and God says, give a word and, and then, and something happens and you begin to, to doubt. You think, man, I must not have heard from God. I heard where somebody says something or does something that hurts you and wounds you. You think, oh man, I, I, I must not have had it right. I didn't hear from the Lord. And we begin to doubt. We, we're double-minded. We're not sure anymore. And because of that, our confidence is restricted and suddenly we lose the very thing that God wants to give us. I, I, in our culture today, cynicism and doubt is very, very popular. It's almost as if you have to doubt everything to, to be okay, right? It's just like it, everybody doubts everything all the time. We doubt the government. We doubt our political leaders. We doubt, every, we doubt our spiritual leaders. We doubt our parents. We, it's like every, everybody's doubting everybody, and so there's no room for any kind of faith. The Lord says, hey, make up your mind. Get into the Word of God. Discover what the Word of God says. He's the rock. He's the foundation. He's the solid place. If you stand there, you're going to be okay. Do what I say. Be obedient to what I say. And trust that I'm going to actually do what I said I would do. And we stand in faith. We say, God, even if I'm doubting, help me believe. Just like the man did when Jesus came to him. Because when we do that, what we'll discover is we start retaking the territory that he has for us. Second thing that, that we can deal with is we need to remove satanic limitations in the area of our territory. Satanic limitations speak of, of chains and restrictions that God has put on our life. 
I'm sorry, that the enemy has put on our life, right? Chains and restrictions that, that we have maybe given into. And because of that, we are now bound and we are restricted because we have made agreements with him. Uh, an area that's important for you to understand is strongholds. Strongholds are repeated patterns of belief or activity that once you do, it's almost like a habit. A stronghold is a lot like a habit. A stronghold is a spiritual thing that happens when you continually do something over and over and over again. At some point, you stop being able to say no. At some point, you stop being able to, to just resist. It now becomes a stronghold where the enemy sets up camp and he yanks your chain. As, as anger can be an incredible stronghold. Right? And anger, there's a time when, when we've made a decision to be angry and then we allowed ourselves to be angry. But if you keep being angry over and over and over and over again, at some point, then it becomes a stronghold. And now when the switch is flipped, suddenly you're not in control anymore. Suddenly the things that come out of you, the things that you say and you do, that's not even like you anymore because the enemy has a stronghold there that you have participated in through repeated uh, behaviors over and over and over again. And now the enemy says, oh, the switch is flipped. I'm going to have my field day in your life. We do that sometimes with worry and with fear with anger. We'll do that with lust. And we'll do these repeated things over. And there's a stronghold there that, and, and the indication that you have a stronghold is it's your mind and your act body keeps going back to that thing. And even when you're going in the right direction, and even when you're trying to, to follow the word of God, and even when you're, you're doing the right things, you find yourself all of a sudden you're over here. And the, the flip is, the switch is flipped and boom, here I am back in this place. And it's an indication that you probably have a stronghold in that area that the enemy has authority and you need to deal with it. You need, and you might have a stronghold and not even realize it. And you need to ask the Lord, Lord show me, what, what is it? David prays, show me, Lord, if there's any wicked way in me. Show me if there's something there that I need to deal with. And he will begin to speak to you and show you, eh, there's, there's something there that you haven't dealt with. False beliefs are incredible ways that the enemy puts his restrictions on us. He puts his bands on us. False beliefs are a combination of some truth of God's word, a combination of what the world offers, the culture offers, and we combine it together. And, and we begin to, we live in this sort of half-truth, uh, re religiosity is, a, is a, uh, actually the, Paul calls it a doctrine of demons, that it, it's this idea that somehow if we act right and we do the right things and we have this religious spirit on us, then, then God is going to treat us different. It, it's actually a false belief, and it will limit the territory that you can operate in. We have to actually consciously begin to fight against these barriers. I'm going to skip to number four. For those of you that want to fill in the blanks, I'll just give you the blank for number three. Remove spiritual parasites. Those are the things that just drain you of your authority and your power. But let me just talk to you about spiritual enemies for a moment, and then I'm going to pray with you. There is an enemy that we have. And again, when I'm talking about the enemy, not just Satan himself, but the enemy and all his uh, the, the spiritual forces of darkness and wickedness that is opposed to the things that God wants to do in our life. That enemy is external. We're not talking about an internal enemy. We're not talking about just a stronghold that we've agreed with. We're, we're talking about a spirit or spirits that hold power and authority in certain regions that we have to deal with. And we actually have to attack as individuals and, and as a church. Uh, one of them would be the, the uh, enemy of, of passivity. There's a, there's a spiritual power of passivity that really reigns in this place. I would call it ap apathy, spiritual apathy. And spiritual apathy as, as a spirit in, in, in our community, it, it holds people at, at, a, at a very low level in terms of their spiritual hunger. And they, they might even know that they need God, but they're so apathetic. They're so like, I don't know if anything can happen. They're so hopeless, they're so passive that they won't actually be able to stand up and reach out for what God has. And you and I were called to actually attack the enemy. And, and he's actually taken territory in this place. We can see it. You can see it on our streets. You can see it in people's faces. And you look in their eyes and, and there's no vision about the future. There's no hope for tomorrow. There's no expectation that God can do anything, that he can set them free. And generationally, we've uh, many times just inherited this sense of, well, you know, this, this is just where we're at. This is all we'll ever have. And that's a, that's a lie from the enemy. 
And, and, and so as a church and as individuals, what we begin to do is we begin to attack the spirit of passivity. We attack it in our own lives. We see the evidence of it in our own lives, but we also attack it in this community. We begin to speak to it. And we say spirit of passivity who holds people in chains of darkness, who's convinced people that nothing different can happen in their lives, who's telling them that, that you know, don't, it's not worth it. It's not worth the effort. Who keeps them back from actually going to the full level. They're just doing just barely anything and nothing's happening. And we know that spiritual darkness and we're speaking speaking to you, spirit of passivity, in the name of Jesus. And we're speaking that there's a new day that's dawning today. There's a new light that's coming today. There's a new change that's happening in the atmosphere. The territory that you have had, you're not going to have any longer. The authority that you've had in this place, we're taking it back from you by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we're warring today against you. And we're saying, come down, passivity. All this thing that, that you have convinced people that somehow they, they, they can just, just expect what they have. But Lord, by your power right now, we declare there's something new that's coming. By your power, Lord, we declare that you're bringing light in dark places, that you're bringing hope into minds, that you're shifting and changing the atmosphere so that, that people will actually begin to hunger in a fresh way for the things of God. That, that, that actually that they'll wake up and, and they'll be motivated and inspired to reach out for you. So, and, and we're beginning to do warfare against a power of darkness. Another, another significant power is procrastination. Those two a lot of times go together, passivity and procrastination. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll get to it tomorrow. I'll, I'll fix it tomorrow. I'll worry about it tomorrow. I'm going to do my fun stuff today. I'm going to do my party in today. Tomorrow, maybe I'll, I'll get to the thing that I need to get to. And we tell ourselves, ah, it'll just take care. And I just want to tell you, the spirit of procrastination will keep the urgency from people's hearts and minds. It'll keep them from understanding the urgency. It'll keep us from understanding the urgency of what's going on. And God, God wants to do something now. He wants to do something here. He wants to do something in our streets. But procrastination says, eh, maybe tomorrow I'll worry about that. So we come against the spirit of procrastination. We come against that tendency just to, to push until tomorrow, to, to put off the things that need to be done, to put off the essentials, to put off the hunger for God, to put off the disciplines to put off prayer and obedience and the things that need to be dealt with today. Would you help us, Lord? Uh, uh, timidity, fear is a, great, uh, is, a, is a great spiritual opposition, a spiritual force. And you, you've probably heard the spirit of timidity and fear speak to you. I've, I've heard him. You know, shut up, shut your mouth. What do you think you're doing? You can't speak the truth because what will people think? What will they say? That's not popular. You're going to get attacked. If you, if, you, if you say what you really think, then somehow, you know, then, then others are going to just laugh at you or they're going to so reject you that you're not. And that spirit of timidity is, is so powerful. It's time for us to say, you know what, enemy? I'm not going to shut your mouth. You tell me to shut up, you shut up. I'm going to stand on the word of God. I'm going to speak the, the words of God. I'm going to speak truth. I'm going to speak truth with grace, but I'm going to speak truth. I'm going to make sure that I am not subject and living under where I need to live, but I have actually been given authority, authority to trample snakes and scorpions, authority to carry God's presence in the earth, authority to be his vessel in this place. And so when I speak the words of God, I know that his power will back that authority up. And so I'm going to, I'm going to actually begin to speak. And, and, and I just speak to you spirit of timidity that might reign and does reign and rule over this place and over this congregation that these people they're set free in jesus name that this house is set free that there's going to come a new boldness and a new courage there's going to come a, a new courage into your hearts and minds that it's not you who's doing it but the lord is doing it through you that he's actually speaking through you he's speaking in you and he's, he's going to inspire you to speak teachers he can inspire you to speak with clarity. It's going to inspire to speak in the workplace. Those of you that, are, that are, have jobs here in the workplace, that you're at school, if you're studying students, he's going to inspire you to speak. And, and you're going to be able to speak with clarity. You're going to be able to speak with confidence. And, you, and you're, going to, you're going to speak in a winsome way. You're not going to be intentionally offensive, but you are, in fact, going to stand where you need to stand as a light in the darkness, declaring his goodness to the world. Would you stand to your feet? I've gone way over time. I apologize. I got inspired, I guess. Lord Jesus, would you, would you just close your eyes just for a moment? Just begin just to press into his presence. We just press in, Lord, right now. We just press into your presence. We hunger and thirst, Lord, for righteousness. We hunger and thirst for your presence. We hunger and thirst for your goodness. Oh, God, would you come right now? 
Would you come into our hearts and minds? Would you, would you come and reveal to us, Lord, those things that you have for us? We don't want to live in a half measure. We don't want to live in a partial uh, engagement with our territory. We want to live in the fullness of God. We want to live in the fullness of your spirit. We want to see everything that you have, Lord, come to pass. And so I'm praying right now that a new courage would arise in our hearts and minds. I'm praying for a new uh, desire, God, for your presence. I'm praying that you would make us want to, to follow you, want to be obedient, want to press into your presence. Lord, wherever there are areas that are resistant to your spirit, we're just now bringing them under your authority. Lord, we say, would you change our hearts? Would you change our minds? We give you permission to mess up our lives. If that's what you're giving a permission to do, say, Lord, I give you permission. Would you shift things? Would you adjust things? Would you speak to me? Would you reveal strongholds? Would you reveal disobedience? Would you reveal false beliefs? God, that we wouldn't be the same, that we wouldn't just be doing a nice thing, but that we'd be on track with you. I pray, God, that in our homes, there would be a new sense of your presence, a new reality of who you are. Jesus, would you come and would you open the windows of heaven and would you make a people who are warriors, who are unwilling to compromise, who are unwilling to go silently into the night, but who are willing to stand and fight for you. Give us the fullness, Lord, of territory, pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the message, and we hope to see you on a Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Visit us online at kchamford.com, and if you want to support our ministry, click Give. Cornelia Church, passion for God, compassion for people.